Mifton down to Dungeon. Yeah, um, Mifton Peeved. Mifton Peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. <laughs> I don't want it. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's, 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 it's a real one? I don't use it, but it's Not real. in your vocab? Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. It's an early morning pod. We haven't done one of these in a while. It's been probably three or four weeks. Uh, we're back at it. Uh, the Thunder made a move. They've been in the news. They signed a guy named Tyler Davis. To a Break two, it down! To a two-way contract. He's a big man. He's basically the, if New Orleans Noel sucks and we have to cut him and then Jeremy Grant gets hurt, then maybe Tyler Davis has to play minutes. But really, he's going to play for the Blue. He's going to be the starting center for the Blue. Uh, there's not much more to say than that. Uh, I had to Google him when the Thunder made that move. And... I think it's a really interesting way to use their resources because they already have the draft rights to Devin Hall and Kevin Hervey. And so they basically already have those guys in tow and they can, you know, bring them in next season or see if they'll play for the blue or if their roster spot opens up and they, there's nobody else that they'd like to sign. They could bring Kevin Hervey in. Uh, but it's just a, another look at a guy and, they seem to be really scrounging the, the bottom of the barrel to see if they can find somebody because they have a bunch of those kind of guys on the roster right now, and then they're they're giving themselves even more of a chance uh, with Tyler Davis, who I'm pretty sure that everybody went to high school with three guys named Tyler Davis. Just, <laughs> but um, uh, other so, news. Oh yeah, go ahead. So Herbie can do whatever he wants at this point, like. Yeah, as long as the Thunder sees or mm-hmm, as long as the Thunder tender him an offer, which I assume that they have and that they did with Devin Hall, that he the Thunder still have his rights and then he can go do whatever, whether it's okay. play for the G League or play in Europe or Australia or wherever he can he can go do that and then come back. I mean that's what. Not that this is a great example of success for the Thunder, but that's what Samaj Christian did. Was he played in Europe for a year and then came back? So they have that option. I would love for Hervey to just play for the Blue, so the Thunder can really get a feel on what his medicals are for a full season. Because I think that's to me that's the biggest concern. Other than that, I think that he's like a back end of the roster type of guy even today because the dude is massive and he can shoot it. And so I think that he could be a type of guy that can make an NBA roster right now. But if his medicals are the thing that concerns me the most. So Carmelo Anthony officially signed with the Rockets. It felt like that took like three months (laughs) and maybe it's just because Woj and Shams uh, were 
reporting every little bit that happened along the way. That was kind of annoying. But he wrote a letter to the the fans of Oklahoma City and to the organization, and I I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a little bit strange that he did that. Uh, what were your thoughts on on his letter? Uh, well, going back to Shams and Woj real quick, we were definitely in the part of the year where I had turned on notifications and have been too lazy to turn them off yeah. from those two guys. So <laughs> I get so many notifications at work about Carmelo Anthony over the last couple of weeks, right. and I just refuse to turn them off. Uh, but yeah, it was super nice of and and well not just nice but it was super professional of carmelo anthony yeah um obviously he did not have to do that at all no one would have thought twice um but he did do it and it was very just straightforward and there's nothing really to read into it like he he just wrote a very nice thank you letter to us um so yeah i i I thought it was great and i think when he comes back to okc he's gonna get cheered and yeah. I think gener- I think generally people like Carmelo. It just didn't work out. Right. Yeah, and he even wrote as such. And it's probably the best NBA thank you letter in a long time, right? Definitely better than Kawhi's. Well, yeah, especially with our team's personal history of uh thank yous when players leave. I uh this is a pretty good one. Yeah. There's another interesting thing with Carmelo, which um, is there another player that should be a little bit irrelevant now that keeps himself in the news cycle like him. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> like he's, he's like a, it's great. He's like a, maybe the, he's in like the two hundreds in like the best players and he's just in the news all the time. But, uh, Woj in his article about him signing with the Rockets mentioned that the Rockets plan to bring him off the bench, which was like, huh? Well, good for them. I guess <laughs> they'll be a lot better for it. And then there was the quote tweet backpedal about 20 minutes later. They said, well, he'll be competing for a starting spot. And it was like, okay, well, somebody in Mello's camp got wind of this or Mello did or something happened where it it's this like, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen. And also, I don't know if you saw the TMZ video of right. him being chased by a reporter and he... Uh, didn't seem too committed to the fact that he was going to come off the bench. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on that ultimately happening or not happening in Houston? Well, obviously as OKC fans who basically had to endure all of last season with zero hope that he was ever going to come off the bench. It was, it was never going to happen. We knew it was never going to happen. We knew we were never even going to get to, to, to see it even for a game perhaps. Right. Um, the idea that he all of a sudden would just switch obviously rubs some Thunder fans the wrong way. But, you know, these, uh, you know, the Woj follow-up tweet and then the TMZ, you know, now we're excited again. It's like, right. okay, well, <laughs> well, maybe Houston will have to deal with this too. That's all we really want. <laughs> we just we just want it to be a story for Houston. That's exactly right. This is We just want them to experience some of the same stuff that we did with Mello. Yeah, I, think the, I think, well, and I think the fear in, in some Thunder fans' minds is that he's going to go there and come off the bench and be really good for them. And that, right. like, why wouldn't he do that in Oklahoma City? And I think it's a fair question. Uh, and I also am just like, I don't, who starts in front of him on that team? You know, 
Like who? Yeah, they don't have like that crazy depth. Like I mean, if they had Trevor Reason and Bob Mute, then I'd be like, yeah, sit the dude. Like he does, he shouldn't play in front of those guys. You start PJ Tucker, you start Trevor Reza, and you let Melo come off the bench. Like you do the same thing for James Ennis. I know like a lot of people are excited about James Ennis, but the dude has been on a hundred different NBA teams. He is like twenty eight years old. So it's not like he's some youngster really trying to develop. Like he is kind of who he is and he will probably look a lot better in Houston, but the guy is a journeyman. And so is Melo going to come off the bench so a journeyman can start that just doesn't seem right right yeah and i think the the smart point which a lot of people have made is that it ultimately doesn't really matter who starts it matters who finishes on this team it matters what their closing lineup is yeah and that was another one that was probably probably the bigger issue last season i mean because we we all know the starting lineup was really good um the problem was that at the end of games it just felt like well Melo's coming back in here. We know he's coming back in. And with the exception of maybe two games in the regular season, um, that was the case. And so I think that'll be the more interesting story. Obviously, the starting thing is going to be get all the headlines right now. But I think that'll become the bigger story is, is Melo not going to close? Like, are they going to sit him at the end of games when it makes sense? And how is he going to respond to that? Yeah, that's why I, if I'm Houston, I just start him. So that maybe it takes the sting away from not closing games. Yeah, because he was, I mean, he was great as a starter last season. Like mm-hmm. that, that starting lineup with Robertson was incredible in terms of net rating. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And if I think that they need to establish that early because the Thunder did it once in the regular season where they didn't have him close a game, it was against Dallas. Uh, and there, there wasn't any headlines from it or anything, but it didn't happen again until the playoffs until it was absolutely necessary. Uh, right. So if I'm Houston, you want to establish that, you know, in the first couple of weeks that, Hey, you know, there's some nights where, yeah, you can close with us that we're rolling and, you know, we just need an extra shooter out there and you can fill that role. But <clears throat> if we're playing a tight game against Utah, which you know, proven over the course of, a playoff series and through the regular season that he is not good against Utah. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to play him just because he's Carmelo? And, you know, it's interesting because they'll have two guys on their bench and Ryan Anderson and Carmelo that don't exactly or can't really fit in a closing lineup. So, uh, and there's all sorts of rumors that they'll be able to trade Ryan Anderson for some really good wing. And I'll kind of believe that when I see it, but yeah, I'm telling you right now, my least favorite team is whoever trades for Ryan Anderson. I want <laughs> I want Daryl Morey to suffer for that signing. Right. Yeah, if they get Kent Bazemore, in which I don't know that Kent Bazemore is necessarily the greatest fit because he's more of a two. Like Kent Bazemore right. is six foot five. Everybody talks about him like he's a wing. He's really not a wing. He's more of a two. He's got long arms, but he's not really big enough to be a three. Um, and then the Batum one would be really interesting. Matum, if he's healthy, would be ridiculous for that team. And, right. that, and that's a scenario where, I, you know, Charlotte might do that just just to get off of Batum's contract because it is a really, a really bad contract. <clears throat> you know what's not bad, though? Oh, uh, the press. The press. It's not bad at all. It's actually great. Go to the press. It's in... 
The Plaza District, located near downtown Oklahoma City. You can go there for a lunch or brunch. Uh, their food is incredible. You've got to go get uh, their mac and cheese. I'm telling you, if you're going there for one thing, that's what you should go there for. Uh, it's very good. You can get their chili mac. You can get their buffalo mac. Uh, they also have a barbecue mac option, uh, and it's very, very good. Uh, they have fresh salads. All their ingredients are very fresh. Uh, you can get uh, a burger. They have a regular burger. I know I've <laughs> really uh, been riding for the veggie burger, which I still will do. Uh, but their regular burger is also really good. A Hawaiian bun, beef patty, grilled boar's head, ham, and turkey. Bacon bits, provolone, cheddar, lettuce, tomato, avocado, and jalapeno. And it comes with waffle fries. It's very good. Uh, support the people. Let's support down to dunk and go eat at the press. So, Alex, we're going to do the Eastern Conference over-unders today. Uh, there's some exciting teams, and there's some teams that I, I have really no idea what to do with. So, uh, this should be fun. Yeah, so uh, to recap, we are using the Westgate uh, Casino and Resort over-unders, same that we did last uh, week with the West. There's a few things I wanted to bring up that are unique to the West, or I mean unique to the East, that did influence some of my decisions with the over-unders. The first is that the East is significantly worse than the West this year, even more so than normal. So I tended to give the good teams in the East a little bit of a boost. You know, I tended to err on the side of over. Um, another one is that seven of the 15 teams in the East changed their head coach. It's hard to know how to factor that in, but I think it's worth noting that half of the half of the conference has a new coach. And then the big thing for me was that there were when we did the Western Conference, there were a lot more teams with larger gaps between their over under and their record last season, which I actually think made it easier. Um, whereas in the East, a lot of these teams have over unders that are almost identical to what they did last season. And that made it a lot harder for me. Like 10 <laughs> of the 15 teams have an over-under within two and a half games of their record last season. Oh, that's kind of sad. So you basically have to just like what team like every fan base, I feel like in, in the East, with the exception of, you know, the Cavs can say like, well, we obviously got a little bit better. Like we added this guy and this guy. And like, why shouldn't we be one game better than last season? And so it's really tempting to just go over with a lot of these teams. And so I tried to force myself to think of reasons to go under for some of them. So we are starting based on last year's, how they finished in last year's standings, which means the Toronto Raptors, the number one seed last year, our first team. They have an over under of 54.5. Their record last year was 59 and 23. Key additions, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Greg Monroe, key losses, DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, Lucas Nogueira, and they are one of the teams with a new coach in Nick Nurse. And it's also worth noting that they owe their first-round pick the upcoming year to the Spurs, protected 1 through 20. How are you feeling about the Toronto Raptors, Andrew? I think as long as Kawhi Leonard's healthy, they're going to be awesome. I just don't see any way around it. I think you're in the Eastern Conference. There's a ton of teams you can beat up on. I think their defense is going to be outstanding. And, you know, having Danny Green along with Kawhi Leonard, I mean, that really just solidifies your perimeter defense to me. And Lowry has been good in the past as well, although he's aging. But 
Uh, I like this team a lot. Also, Greg Monroe used to be a good NBA player. How about that? I mean, he's on a minimum deal. How crazy is that? I remember the, talking about like trades the Thunder could make for him and like right. three years ago, and we'd have to give up quite a bit. And now he's just—I mean—he's just bouncing around because his archetype just—you can't make any money as that kind of guy now. But, anyways, I, I like this Toronto Raptors team. I like—I like the the chance that they took on trading for Kawhi and if he is healthy, which people act like he is, but it's another, I'll believe it when I see it kind of deal. But if he's healthy, uh, I'm picking the over for the Raptors. I think that they're going to be a, a really solid defense. And then offensively they have enough scoring in Lowry and Kawhi and Valanchunas to, to get by. So I'm going over. Yeah. I mean, I think Toronto, they upgraded two of their starting five positions, if you think about Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. And they still have a bench now without Pirtle that was number one last year in net rating. All those other yeah. guys are still there. So this team is objectively better. They should probably even be better defensively, even though they were already a top five defense last year. Um, they still have this roster that can go 10 deep, so they're going to be able to rack up regular season wins, even if they experience some bad injury luck. So the major questions are just Kawhi. Like, is he healthy and is he going to stay there through the year? And then is Nick Nurse a good coach, which who knows? Mm -hmm. I know nothing about Nick Nurse. Uh, so I have to assume that – I'm assuming that the Kawhi thing is going to be just normal for a year, which could be a bad assumption. But if it is just normal and he comes back and he's Kawhi, I think he's a major upgrade over DeRozan. So I don't see how they lose five games compared to last season. So I'm going over – and Andrew, this is my first lock of the day. Ooh, lock it in. Yeah, I'm locking it in. I'm a little more nervous about about the Raptors. I don't know if I'm ready to lock it in because if they if they won 53 games, it's like oh, that's still a good team, uh, right? But yeah, I do like their bench quite a bit. I think Van Vliet is really good. I have CJ Miles, Delon Wright, who I really like, uh, OG Ananobi. I mean, this is a a really solid bench. Pascal Siakam, who's everybody. If you want to sound smart, people, as an NBA fan, just tell people how much you like Pascal Siakam, and then people will know that you are a smart NBA fan. That is so true. Because for the longest time, I, I just assumed, you know, you just didn't hear much about him, and he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, like when he first came in the league. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like on every podcast, people were talking about Pascal Siakam. <laughs> when when uh, Zach Lowe said that he could be an all-star, I just about fell out of my seat. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. That's like something you'd hear like the starters say, like when uh, Skeets once said that uh, Jason Maxiel right. would, be an, would be an all-star before DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> before Danny Granger. Oh, before Danny Granger. Yeah, that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah, it was just that. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not very smart, but I just haven't seen that from Siakam in the few games that I've watched him. But again, I haven't watched him over the course of an age game schedule. But uh, it does feel like you you can't say anything bad about him now. It's like I don't watch enough Raptors games, right? Myself, so I know. So now I just assume like, wow, this guy must be really good. I don't know, right? I have to mention him like in the top three now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I have I have no clue, but people talk about him like he's good. So uh, good, good for Pascal. He's also got a great name. Okay, you want, you want to go to the next team? Uh, yeah, number two, the Boston Celtics. Woo. Their over-under is 57.5. A 
Last year's record, 55 and 27. Their key additions, Robert Williams, their first round draft pick, and Brad Wanamaker. Key losses, Shane Larkin, Greg Monroe, and a shout out to Abdel Nader. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I don't know how you pick the under. It's, yeah. but, it, but it also, on the other hand, it feels like a trap. This is a team <laughs> that won 55 games last year in a stronger conference with bad injury luck. Now they're getting two all-stars back in a weaker conference. Like It's just, how do I not take the over here? How do I not say that this team is going to be three games better? Because people remember Hayward's injury, obviously, and then Kyrie missed 22 games. Mm -hmm. But don't forget that Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart both missed 20 games each as well. So I'm not locking it in because it, it because it seems too easy. <laughs> also, also Daniel Tice missed time, and that's another guy that if you talk about Daniel yeah. Tice being a good NBA player, you're a smart NBA fan. Yeah, so you get him back too. Maybe uh, we should come up with the player on each team that makes you a smart NBA fan to uh, uh, call them good. It it really is like a sign of a, of a smart NBA fan. So yes, <laughs> I will I will try to think of those for okay. each team. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, a, but yeah, I'm going over. Yeah, lock it in for me, baby. This team is going to be really good. And they're just going to roll over teams. I mean, I just don't... Their competition in the Eastern Conference, I mean, Philly and Toronto, like those will be big games. But every other game, I don't know. I think they're going to roll over these teams. Cleveland, Indiana, Miami, Washington. I think Milwaukee's interesting, at least, especially with Coach Bud. Uh, Detroit, Charlotte, New York, Brooklyn, Chicago, Orlando, Atlanta. Like they have to play those teams a ton of times. They're going to kill all those teams. And yeah. they, and they have their and the thing to me, like with the Raptors, you kind of like, eh, like I don't know, like Nick Nurse, they have Brad Stevens. I mean, he is he's a great coach. They're going to be ready every night. Uh, there is some worry about chemistry with how like how all these guys fit together, but. I'm not too concerned with that. I think they're going to, even if they, they're going to have injury problems. I mean, they will. I mean, I think that I, I don't, I don't know what to do with Hayward. I think that he should be okay. Um, but you know, there's, there's a worry there with him and with Kyrie that, you know, they may not play all 82 games and I would expect that they don't, but they still have crazy depth and they still just find ways to win. Uh, and I mean, I just don't know how you can bet against this team moving forward. A lot of people say they're like a potential dynasty in the making. I don't know if I quite see that. I mean, I mean, Jason Tatum is going to have to be the guy that Bill Simmons says that he is. Same with Jalen Brown. And then, you know, I don't know what to do with Kyrie's future there. Al Horford is aging. Gordon Hayward's kind of in this weird place. I don't know if I see dynasty, but I do see a team that's going to win 60 plus games for the foreseeable future and be really good. And probably, I mean, this team w- will be my finals pick, um, for, you know, preseason. And so you st- they still have to beat the guy, the guys that come out of the West. And I just don't see that happening um, for for at least a little while. But yeah, this team this team is really awesome. They're really good. They're good from top to bottom. the The end of their bench, you know, like the Shemiojales, Jabari Bird, like those, they've got good guys at the end of their bench. You got Robert Williams, who just can't show up to anything on time, which is a really hilarious story for a first-round pick. Uh, but yeah, I like the Celtics. Yeah, and the Celtics, I'm so jealous of their fans because this is like the perfect storm season of just everything. Like, obviously, they're going to be a contender. 
They have all-stars that are going to be fun to watch. They have super young guys that are fun to watch. They have the potential to have four, four first-round picks next year yeah. because they own the Clippers pick, the Memphis pick, and they're going to get the Sacramento pick most likely. So they have the potential to get all those three. They, they could potentially get none of those, but they'll likely get at least one or two of them. So it's just they just have an embarrassment of riches. They have it all. They really they do. do. Yeah. And Al, I mean, I would love to root for Al Horford. Just throwing that out there. That dude's great. Um, all right. So let's move on to the three seed last year, the Philadelphia 76ers over under for the upcoming season. Fifty four point five. Last year's record, 52 and 30. Key additions, Wilson Chandler, Mike Mascala, Zaire Smith, who's not going to be playing, Landry Shamet and Jonah Bolden. Key losses, Justin Anderson, Marco Bellinelli, Ursan Ilyasova, Timotei Luwawu, Cabarro, and Rashawn Holmes. So I think Philly's kind of difficult because mm-hmm. they did not have a great offseason by most measures. They expected to be in play for at least one significant free agent, and they ended up with Wilson Chandler yeah. and Mike Mascala. Yeah. And they lost Bellinelli and Ilyasova, who were great for them down the stretch last year. Yep. And their first-round pick, Zaire Smith, has a Jones fracture and is out indefinitely. I believe that the Sixers did that to him. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> really? Wow, you're just throwing that random accusation of purposely hurting their own player. They do it to every, fir- every first-round pick. They do it too. The past few years, it's a tradition, it's unlike just, any other. It is. <laughs> uh, so all that said, Andrew, I'm still taking the over. Oh wow! Okay. For for a couple reasons. Okay. So one, we've already talked about it, but the general weakness of the East, and more specifically Philly's individual schedule. So Jared Dubin on Twitter, he put out an implied strength of schedule for each team, which was based on these over unders, these Vegas over unders. And Philly came in dead last with the easiest schedule in the league. Wow. Boston, in their same division, had the 16th toughest schedule. By the way, Sacramento had the toughest schedule (laughs) in the league. (laughs) So pound pound that under. Um, The second reason, though, and this is is where I get a little Philly homer, is Markel Fultz. I am all in on the Drew Handlin Fultz hype train. And I think he's going to make a major impact this year. I think he fills a massive need as another scoring playmaker alongside Ben Simmons. And he will make the Sixers so much more difficult to defend than they were at times in last year's playoffs. Andrew, I'm going over. Fultz train. Wow. Uh, The guy that you're smart for knowing who they are and thinking that they're good, Jonah Bolden. That's, That's the guy for this team. That's actually true. I was going to say TJ McConnell, but he's probably he's above. He's he's too well known at this point. Yeah. Uh, That's that's actually why I included Jonah Bolden on the key additions, because I was like, I've heard people talk about him. He's really good. So I I probably need to mention him. (laughs) There's these guys on every team. Uh, I'm going under. I just think that they they finished the season. What? Like on like a 12 or 14 game winning streak, right? Yeah, and you know why? Because they had Marco Bellinelli? No, because they were playing the the trashiest East schedule, which they're going to be playing this year. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still a little scared of Embiid's health. And he's played in a lot of games the past two seasons. That's wonderful. I still think it's terrifying 
to have him as your number one guy. And so they could still, I mean, there's, if they win, like I said, with the Raptors, they win 53 games. I think that's a successful season and they win one more game than they did last year. And, but, but I think taking away all that shooting, I think that they were going to be using Zaire Smith this year. If he stayed healthy, uh, Wilson Chandler's not the most inspiring NBA player. Um, I don't know. I I think they'll be really good, obviously. I think this is a great team. This is a 50-plus win team. Uh, but I think them, I'll go slightly under. I'm not going to lock it in, but I'm, I'll predict a slightly under. All right, so that is our first disagreement over Philly. Uh, okay, number four seed. I think this is the most interesting one. Okay. The Cleveland Cavaliers over under 30.5 last season. They won 50 games. They went 50 and 32 key additions. Sam Decker, Channing Fry, David Nawaba, Colin Sexton. Their key losses. Jose Calderon, probably not a key loss. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Green, LeBron James, and a shout out to Kendrick Perkins. Uh, so before we talk, we should mention which this I think this is important that they own their 2000 they owe their 2019 first round pick to Atlanta. It is protected 1 through 10 the next two seasons and then it becomes 2 seconds. Okay? So that makes this that's like the major complicating factor for me mm-hmm. because this team is not exactly a free agent destination. And so adding a blue chip talent in the draft is probably one of the most important ways for this team to improve. As they did the first time LeBron left, they got you know Kyrie, and then they got Wiggins, who they turned into Kevin Love. On the other hand, Andrew, everyone seems to be under the impression that Cleveland will be actively trying to make the playoffs because Dan Gilbert apparently wants to prove to himself or LeBron <laughs> that, that he doesn't need LeBron. I don't really get this argument as if LeBron's going to like come out at the end of next season when they make the eighth seed and get swept. As if LeBron's going to come out and be like, "Wow, I'm a great, great job, Caps. I'm, I'm so impressed. You did it." Like, what? I, I don't really believe. I like. I don't know. Maybe Dan Gilbert really is like that ridiculous and has just that much pride. But it's such a dumb reason to try and win. I'm much more sympathetic to the idea of like, there's value in staying competitive. Like, not every team needs to bottom out. Like, that's a much more compelling argument to me. But I still think the incentive to lose this year is so high. Yeah. And so I'm going under because I think this team eventually tanks when they realize they're out of it and they'll end up just below 30 wins. They'll be one of these teams that should have tanked harder. They'll end up with like the eighth pick again like they did last year. And so I'm going under. But I, I could see them pushing for it and being like a 35-win team. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go over for them. I think right. I think Kevin Love is really good and I think if George Hill, which he probably won't be, but if George Hill can stay healthy like that in the Eastern Conference, it doesn't take a lot to win games and it's not going to. And having those two guys, that's good. If Colin Sexton can be any semblance of an NBA player, that helps. Uh, I like Larry Nance. Uh they they brought they brought in Channing Fry again. I don't know why they did that. They they have shooting J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, Channing Fry. They have all this veteran shooting on this team. 
I think they're going to be all right. Uh, they're going to be like in that no man's land, though, where they could, you know, get like the 12th pick and lose and lose it and not make the playoffs. I mean, I think that 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 is certainly in play where like every, like the worst case scenario for that team is certain right. is in play. Uh, but I think in this East, having Kevin Love, I mean, he's the dude's a good NBA player and we'll get to see if he can be the the crazy double double guy that he was in Minnesota before he came to play with LeBron if he still has that in him. So I I'm going to go over just cuz I I really like Kevin Love. I like George Hill. Uh who's who's the guy that if you if you know him you're really smart. I think it's David Nawaba. Oh really? I was going to say uh Chetty Osman. Oh yeah. Jetty. Jetty. I think I think that's how you say it. I don't know. I, I just see a C E D I, and then I've heard people say Jetty, and I'm just gonna that that's that's part of what makes you smart is that you call him Jetty. I, I know, and and I feel like Zach Lowe. I've heard him say a lot of times like he can do stuff. So right, so he must be able to do stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, their lineup is kind of sh- or their roster is kind of strange because they were you know, one of the oldest teams in the league last year, but most of that age is concentrated with like five guys. Right. So there, there's a lineup you could put out. They're like senior lineup, which is George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, and Channing Fry. All those guys have been in the league for at least 10 years, wow. but then you get, you get beyond them and it's like Tristan Thompson. And then there's a huge drop off to just all these super young guys. So I think they're actually a lot younger than they appear. Um, and that's one of the other reasons I went under, you know, I'm, I think Colin Sexton's going to play a lot of minutes, and I don't necessarily think that's a good thing for their win total yeah, um, had, as a rookie point guard. But mm-hmm. we'll see. They're, I think they're one of the most interesting teams because I think this season could go a lot of different ways. I mean, they, they could be a team that just is moving people at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. including Kevin Love. So who knows? But that that is our second disagreement. All right. You ready for number five? The Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. Over under this year of forty seven point five. Last year they won forty. They went forty eight and thirty four. They have added Tyreek Evans, Doug McDermott, Aaron Holiday, Kylo Quinn, and C.J. Wilcox. They lost Trevor Booker, Al Jefferson, Glenn Robinson the third, and Lance Stevenson. I'm interested to see what you think about the Indiana Pacers. This is a tough one. I think it is. I think they're really good. I think this is a this is a good team. Uh, I think Miles Turner is going to come back better. I think that same with Demonis Sabonis. So I think that their their front line will be strengthened some. Uh, and I really like Victor Oladipo. I'm gonna I'll take the over for these guys. Not I wouldn't say that I don't know if they'll win 50 games, but I I think they they're in like the 48, 49. You know, I think they could I could see them winning that many games. I think this team is good. I think they were well coached last year. I think their defense is good. Uh, I like Aaron Holiday. I, I think that he could come in and play right away. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the over on these guys. I like them. This is our third disagreement, Andrew. Oh, wow. We have a lot so, of Eastern Conference disagreements. This feels a little hot takey, and it was this was more of just going with my gut with this one. But I am going with the under, partly like comparing – what OKC did two seasons ago to last year. So one of the things that Indiana really had going for it last year was their clutch play. 
Mm-hmm. So they were they had the third best net rating in the clutch last season. They were a plus 17.7, which was only worse than Houston and Cleveland. And in their 44 games where they had clutch time, Indiana went 26 and 18. So if there's a reason Indiana might not hit the over but still be a good team, maybe it will be because they don't have as good of luck in the clutch. Maybe they lose four to five more close games and they miss the over similar to OKC last season. And then the other thing is that Indiana was a team that overall had really good injury luck last year. So people remember Miles Turner, who missed 17 games. But Oladipo, Thad Young, Bogdanovich, Corey Joseph, Sabonis, and Lance Stevenson all missed eight games or less. So if they suffer a little worse injury luck, it's also possible that they miss the over. I think this is a team that just like came out of nowhere and surprised us. And so I think in their second year, it's entirely possible that they just take a little bit of a step back while still being a very good team. So I'm going with the under. Do not feel great about it. But I felt like I had to pick under on one of these high win total East teams. And Indiana was the one I went with. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I I think they got better, too, though. They did. They did. I like Kyle O'Quinn. I like Tyreek Evans. Maybe Kyle O'Quinn's the guy that you're smart for saying that he's really good because he's like been hidden in New York for years. Like, ah. Oh, okay. uh, I think you're also smart if you know that it's not TJ Leaf. I feel like <laughs> everyone hates on TJ Leaf. So you, you better know that he's not a good NBA player. Man, I still, that that is a terrible draft selection. I mean, there's yeah. there's a ton of guys that could have had in place of him. I just, I didn't get it at the time. I was glad that they took him and that they didn't even give the Thunder an option to have him at the 21st spot. But that was that's one of the all-timers for me. Even if he works out, like what is he? He's like very poor man's Ryan Anderson if he works out. He's he's more athletic than Ryan Anderson, but I I just don't even understand taking him in the draft at all. I just don't get it. Yeah, him and uh Tyler Lydon. I feel like those yeah. are the obvious ones. Yes. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, immediately, like, your fan base has to hang their head whenever you hear their selection. Because, I mean, here's the guys that they could have had in place of TJ Leaf. John Collins, Harry Giles, Terrence Ferguson, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma. All those guys came after. And the Kyle Kuzma one, ah, that's kind of a stretch. But, like, the John Collins, Harry Giles, Terrence Ferguson, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi... Like those are all just this. That's the order selected right after TJ Leaf. If you take any of those guys, you're in good shape, right? Yeah, that was bad, especially for a team where they were. I mean, they right. They could have used any of those players. Yeah. Oh well, for them. They <laughs> hey, but they did great on that trade. So yeah, a star it, now. Yeah, it really worked out for them. And I, I think I'm a big Sabonis guy. I think he's going to be good. I, I really like his potential as a player. So that's another reason for me to buy into the over. Okay. Number. Okay. So that was, we disagreed on that. You went over. I went under yep. next the Miami heat over under this year of 41.5 last year. They were 44 and 38. Didn't really have any key additions. I guess Briante Weber, if you want to talk about him, uh, key losses, <laughs> Luke Babbitt, uh, Udonis Haslam, Dwayne Wade, maybe. So they didn't really do much. They're basically the exact same team that played last year, uh, that won 44 games, despite 
you know, some bad injury luck with Deion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside. I don't know how you bet the under. Like, you, you have to bet them losing, being three games worse. They've got a pretty deep team. I mean, they don't have any superstars, but they have a lot of really good NBA rotation players. I think Justice Winslow made a nice little jump last year, and he could make another jump again. I think I'm going over, and I think I'm locking it in. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard such confidence about this Miami Heat team. Well, they only they only have to be over 500. They have to be 42 and 40. Yeah. 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 True. And I, I like they have a great coach. They do have a great coach. Yeah. That's that to me is the most convincing argument is just that he is an elite NBA coach. And so, yeah, I get I totally get that. Um, yeah, I think that I'll take the over. I'm not locking it in. Uh, th- this team is just not that inspiring, but I like a lot of their pieces. I think that another reason why you might consider the under is that this could be a, a trade destination for some teams. To, yeah, for sure. To get off of a lot of, I mean, they, they're paying a lot of these guys, a lot of money through 2021. I mean, James Johnson, Kelly Olenek, uh, Dion waiters, Josh Richardson are all on the books then. So, and those are all definitely rotation players. Some of them maybe could start. Josh Richardson, certainly. But, you know, like those guys are okay. They're okay to have. Are they okay to have at 12 to 16 million? Eh, probably not. But, um, you know, they have, I mean, James Johnson has a player option, 2021 for 16 million. That's a lot. Now, we talked about trading for him. Uh, but that's that's a lot to swallow for for James Johnson at that point in his career. So, but yeah, I I'll I'll take the over as well. I I like I like this roster. Okay, I think in the Eastern Conference they're they're going to benefit and they play hard. They're all in good shape because they have to be. And so I think that you know being well coached and being in shape are two things that not every Eastern Conference team has. So I'll take the over on them too. And their smart NBA player, uh, probably Josh Richardson. I don't know. I think he's actually good. Well, yeah, he's he's good, but I don't feel like the casual fan knows about Josh Richardson. What I, about Rodney Magruder? See, dude, I'm not even that smart. I'm a dumb NBA fan. Then I've heard I people. I've I've heard some dunked on podcasts about Rodney Magruder and about how good he is. And I'm just like, I, okay, I'll have to take your word for it, man. <laughs> I have no idea what he looks like. Nothing <laughs> See, about him. That's how smart it is. Is that <laughs> you, like a high level NBA fan, don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> um, okay, the next one. I think this is an interesting one. The Milwaukee Bucks over under 46.5. Last year they went 44 and 38. Uh, key additions, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Ilyasova, Brooke Lopez, key losses, Jabari Parker, Jason Terry, Brandon Jennings, did not realize he was on the team last year. They owe their 2019 first round pick to Phoenix, which is protected one through three and 17 through 30. Um, then it's protected one through seven the following year and then unprotected in 2021. The big free agent signing for them is they, they got a new coach. And it is Coach Mike Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it is hard for a regular NBA fan like myself to have a uh, well-developed, smart opinion on any coach. So any opinion I have about 
any coach in the league is usually just something I've absorbed through osmosis from other NBA podcasts. Right. But people seem to universally believe that Coach Bud is a very good coach and is a major upgrade over Jason Kidd and whoever their interim coach was last year. So for that reason alone, I think you could take the over just for the coaching upgrade. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's absolutely true. I think he was awesome for Atlanta. And you know, Giannis hasn't had a great coach yet. I think I don't know if Bud's a great coach, but I know that he's at least like an above average NBA coach. And so I just think that the talent that they have with Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton, I, I like what they've done. They have Ilya Sova, who I don't love his contract, but I think that he's a guy that can really benefit from being in Bud's system. Uh, same with Brooke Lopez. Uh, I don't know what to do with Thon McCurr, or I don't really know what to do with his last name either. If we just are going to go full American with Maker, I don't know. Uh but I like the DiVincenzo pick. I think that he could play this year. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, if he can stay healthy, is a very helpful player. Uh, so, yeah, I I like the over for them, 46 and a half. You know, they're, they're going to beat up on some of these bad teams, and I think they're going to move the ball well, and uh, they've got sh- some shooting on their team now too. So uh, I'm a big fan of their team. They also, fun fact, they have three players that have been waved and stretched on their books. Uh, oh, really? Mirza Toledovich. They'll be paying him through 2021. Spencer Hawes. They're still paying $2 million this season and next. And then Larry Sanders will be making $1.8 million in 2022 from wow. the Milwaukee Bucks. They have like seven, a little over $7 million devoted to waived and stretched players this season. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a very simple fact that I think is important is that Milwaukee has the best player in the conference. Yeah. Um, so honestly, just that alone tempts me to pick the over. So I am going to pick the over. And I also think that taking away Jabari Parker, which just based on his play last season, it may just be a addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Like just replacing his minutes with Ursan Ilyasova, who is not a great NBA player, but he's a solid rotation player who has a lot of familiarity with Coach Bud's system. And I really like Brooke Lopez. So, yeah, I'm going over as well. Now, I th- who do you think their smart NBA player? I think, I think it might be Sterling Brown because I think that Sterling Brown is going to be really good, and I don't know why. So I must have heard that somewhere. Hold on, my son's in here. Did you? Do you guys want to have a comment on Sterling Brown? No. <laughs> okay, I'll see you later then. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Sterling Brown is a very good candidate for this one. Uh, there was one other guy that I saw in here. I thought, no, he's probably it because he's the guy that like. Has anybody seen Sterling Brown play outside of Milwaukee? Has that happened? I have not. So uh, yeah, he's the guy for sure. Um, okay, moving on. The number eight seed last year, the Washington Wizards, one of our faves, over under a 44.5. Last year's record, 43 and 39. They brought in D12 Superman Dwight Howard. <laughs> they brought in Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, and Troy Brown. They lost Tim Frazier, Marcin Gortat. 
uh, Ty Lawson, Mike Scott, and Ramon Sessions. I'm going over, Andrew. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Give me. Give me. Yeah, give me I'm the case going for the over. It's simple. Okay. First off, John Wall missed half the season last year. Okay. In 40, 41 games he played, Washington was 23 and 18, which is a 46 win pace. Outside of Wall's health, the issue for Washington has always been their bench, it seems like. Their starting lineup was actually pretty good, even when you replaced Wall with Sadoransky. They were a plus six with Wall. They're actually a plus 8.5 with Sadoransky in a thousand combined minutes between those two guys. Where they fell off was in lineups with more bench players. So now they bolster that bench with Austin Rivers, who I think is perfectly decent, and Jeff Green, who whatever. If healthy, <laughs> I think this team is a lot deeper than they were last year. And I know that the concern is chemistry. You're bringing in Dwight Howard, who yeah. past, past teammates have cheered when he was traded. And you bring in Austin Rivers, yeah. who, who <laughs> has been under the care of his father for most of his <laughs> career. But I don't know how their chemistry can be any worse than it was last season. It was terrible. They had terrible chemistry last year, and their star player was gone for half the year. They still won 43 games. Dwight, who has this reputation for being injury-prone, he's he's missed 11 games or fewer in five of the past six seasons, including playing 81 games last year. He's been relatively durable. So I'm optimistic. I think this team has too much talent to have another middling season in a bad conference. I'm all in on Dwight. I think his jokes are great. So funny. I have his I have his quote so from the press funny. conference printed out. It's pasted on my wall. I think it's so funny. He's great. I'm going over. Give me the under. I mean Fine. John Fine. Wall John Wall is a is a prickly kind of guy. And you're adding Austin Rivers, you still have Markeith Morris, Dwight Howard. I mean you have the uninspiring Jeff Green. Man, I just don't this. I like Bradley Beal, John Wall, Otto Porter. Like I like that trio, but everything else, I'm just like, oh, good, oh boy. Uh, I'm like Kelly Oubre is okay. I uh, I don't know, man. I their their bench is still going to be brutal. I feel like I don't think it's that Austin fine. Rivers necessarily like boosts your bench all that much. Like, I don't know. I'm not a believer. I think the chemistry thing is real. I think that they're going to really struggle with that. And I, I don't, Scott Brooks didn't seem like he was the coach to help that out all that much last season. And then you add Dwight and Austin rivers. Like, I just don't, I don't know, man. Like it, I guess it could go one of two ways. It could just be like this crazy mixture just works or like the chemistry is just going to be so, so bad. And I just tend to believe it's not going to be any good. Fine, fine. So that is our fourth disagreement. We're disagreeing a lot more in the East. Uh, Thomas Sanoransky is definitely the guy that if you think he's good, or smart NBA fan. Uh, yeah, and he is good, and I know what he looks like. <laughs> I do too, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that was a, that was a hot one. That I was. think this is going to be another hot one. Okay. <laughs> the number nine seed last year, the Detroit Pistons. Over under of 37.5. Last year's record, 39 and 43. Key additions. Bruce Brown, Jose Calderon, <laughs> Zaza Pachulia, Glenn Robinson III. Key losses, Anthony Tolliver 
and I guess maybe Jameer Nelson. They do have a new coach, new coach, uh, Stan Van, long gone. You're not going to be able to hear Stan Van voice anymore. I know, that's disappointing. They now have Dwayne Casey. Uh, so let me make the case for Detroit. Okay. So to be fair, didn't love their offseason. Uh, <laughs> don't know if there's any less inspiring moves than bringing Jose Calderon and Zaza Pachulia onto your team right. in 2018. I don't know what strategy that is. I don't know what they're bringing. I guess Jose Calderon's well respected, but like, what is Zaza? He's not. He's not even. Doesn't seem like he's respected ar- around the league. Yeah, he's just going to be have, there to hurt opposing players. Yeah. So this team isn't exactly deep, and they bring in these two corpses. I don't get it, but they do have Blake Griffin. 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 In in his first full season, he played in 21 games last year for Detroit. They went. Uh, 11 and 14 in those games, <laughs> which is a 36 win pace. Uh, but hey, Andrew, Detroit finished the season eight and two once uh, famous Thunder player Reggie Jackson came back. But seven of those eight wins were against Dallas, Brooklyn, the Knicks, Lakers, Chicago, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Oh. So not much, not much to go on there. <laughs> But listen, I am throwing out last season. Forget it. Don't even think about it. There was too much roster turnover with that midseason trade. Yeah. You factor in the injuries to Reggie Jackson, Langston Galway, John Luer. Can I talk to you about John Luer for just a second? John Luer is a guy who's making $10 million per year the next two seasons. He played eight games last year due to an ankle injury, and he just had another surgery right. like a week ago on the same ankle. But positives, Andrew, positives. I like Luke Kennard's potential. He shot 42% from three in his rookie year. Reggie Bullock had a really nice year. He shot 45% from three on four and a half attempts per game. Maybe Stanley Johnson becomes something. Dwayne Casey could be a stabilizing force. I am cautiously optimistic, so I am going over. And guess what, Andrew? I'm locking it in. (laughs) You're locking that one in. I'm going over, too, but I'm not locking anything in. Uh I do think Blake Griffin has become a guy that people just think is not any good. And I just don't think that's the case. I think he's injury prone. I think that he's going to be paid a ton of money over the course of the next four years. And that should make you a little bit nervous. But I think he's an incredible NBA player and should be considered to be in like the top 20. And because he's in Detroit now and he was sent off by the Clippers that Everyone calls the Clippers smart and Detroit dumb. Therefore, Blake Griffin must suck. Like the dude is still really good, and so I'm I'm a believer too. I think that they'll. I don't know if they make the playoffs or not. I think that they're probably battling for the eighth seed, but I think they'll they'll win more than 37 games. I I just think that Blake and uh, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, as much as we don't like Reggie, I think that that's a solid team in the Eastern Conference, and so. I'll take a I'll take the over on them. I don't think they I don't know if they get to 500, but I think that they're better than 37. And I don't really know if they have a smart NBA player on their roster. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Maybe it's Kyrie Thomas. They they're drafting. Maybe. Pick. Or maybe yeah, it's Reggie some Bullock. Some people seem to like him. Some people really like Reggie Bullock. Oh, you're talking to him. Somebody book fan club. I was listening to a podcast where they ranked Reggie Bullock in like the top half of the shooting guards in the NBA, which was like, oh yeah, just like whoa, like that's that's a take. Now that is a take, or maybe it's Glenn Robinson the third. 
Yeah, GR3. I feel like I've heard a lot about him. Yeah, people people like to talk about him. They've got a couple a couple fringe guys, but no no one real. No one. You can't be super smart and talk about the Pistons. All right, Andrew. It's time for the main event. <laughs> We've got to fire the, through these. We've got like how many teams do we have left? We've got five teams left. Five. We'll do this one super fast. Okay. Charlotte Hornets over under 35 and a half. Last year's record, 36 and 46. They added Bismack Biombo, Miles Bridges, Tony Parker, lost MCW, Trevion Graham, Dwight Howard, new coach, James Borrego. I don't think any team has been less relevant for my own <laughs> NBA fan experience than Charlotte. They are the definition of mediocre. I don't care. I'm passing. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. Pass. Next one. Pass. Next. <laughs> new York Knicks over under 29 and a half. Last year's record, 29 and 53. They added Mario Hazonia, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Noah Vonley. They lost Michael Beasley, Jarrett Jack, and Kylo Quinn. They also have a new coach, David Fisdale. Andrew, it's simple. Their best player, Chris Stapps Porzingis, tore his ACL in February of last year. His timeline to return is at earliest around Christmas, but even then, he'd probably be held out of back-to-backs. And oh, by the way, the Knicks have more back-to-backs than any other team this year. <laughs> and there's also the potential that much like Zach Levine last year for Chicago, this season may end up being just a lost year for Porzingis. They've, the, James Dolan has already talked about the possibility that Porzingis just doesn't play this year. He's just mentioned that. So, I think the Knicks have already been talking about moving on from Courtney Lee, possibly via trade, which just makes their roster even younger. So I'm going under, and I am locking it in. Yeah, tank baby, tank. They're they're tank. going to be terrible. They're just going to be awful. Yeah, I'll I'll go under as well. Uh, All right. Do, do they have a player where uh, you're smart uh, to talk about them? Oh, the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Frank Nilakina because you can say his name. Yeah, that is true. That is definitely a sign of an NBA fan if you know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right, next team. Um, okay, next team. This one's a really interesting one. The Brooklyn Nets over under of 32 and a half. Last year they were 28 and 54. They added, th- this sounds like a lineup. Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, Kenneth Freed, Trevion Graham, Shabazz Napier. Like, those are all legit NBA rotation players. Mm-hmm. Like, none of them are great. But, like, those are all real NBA players, especially when you compare what a lot of these other Eastern teams did in the offseason. They lost Quincy A.C., Dante Cunningham, Jeremy Lin, Timothy, Timothy Mozgov, Jaleel Okafor, and Nick Stauskas. They are super tough for me because I refuse to believe that Sean Marks, the greatest NBA GM to ever walk this earth... <laughs> is going to let this Brooklyn team, who finally owns their first-round pick for the first time in five seasons, I refuse to believe that he's going to let them win seven more games than they did last season. But on the other hand, they brought in, which I just named off, all of these decent to good NBA rotation players, more than any other team in the East. Ed Davis, Kenneth Fareed, Shabazz Napier, Jared Dudley, Trevion Grams, all these guys, I think it said Trevion Grams, food, all these guys... (laughs) are NBA rotation players. Now, none of them are like swinging the needle individually, but this team is a lot deeper than they were last year. I'm pretty sure and, you, I'm pretty sure you move a needle and you don't swing a needle. Uh, you, you can swing needles, Andrew, <laughs> uh, if you attach them to strings. Okay. That's true. Please, please let me continue. <laughs> uh, 
And while everyone is talking about the Knicks as the team who could potentially bring in Kyrie and Jimmy Butler or Kyrie and KD, Brooklyn is so much better positioned to be that big city team who makes a major move next summer. So maybe Brooklyn's decided that they'd rather appear competent this year, get a late lottery pick, and then make a run next summer for two big name free agents with a roster full of good role players. So I'm going under, but I'm very nervous because they do have a good coach and they do have a decent roster with a bunch of decent rotation players. I don't know how to feel. What do you think? Yeah. They have guys that are rotation players, but they're like the eighth or ninth guys in a rotation, right? Like that's where Jamari yeah. Carroll, Kenneth Fareed, Jared Dudley, you know, Ed Davis, like those guys are all definitely NBA players, but they're like none of them are like in a top six, right? Right. That's that's where I'm just like, yeah, like they've got some guys. I think that they can establish a culture with these guys, but are they going to win games? I I just don't think they will. And I think that you're right. Um, I think that maybe the people that you're really smart to talk about is the coach and the GM for the, for the Nets. If you really talk up Kenny Atkinson, then man, you are a smart NBA fan. Like I don't know if any of these players are getting you there, but uh, if you talk about their front office or about their coaching staff, then then you're a high level NBA fan. Oh yeah, I. I mentioned that they had a good coach, and I, that's just totally made up. Like I don't, <laughs> right? We just, I have, just no, <laughs> I have no idea why I think that. <laughs> yeah, if you praise like, Sean Marks, then you obviously know what you're talking about. They've been terrible for like multiple seasons, and I'm like so certain that they have a good coach for some reason. <laughs> right now, they just play a fun brand of basketball. And, they do, and yeah. they just don't. They haven't won a lot of games because of their personnel, but they do f- play a fun brand of basketball. Okay, Chicago. Chicago. These last three, I think these are three hot ones. Okay, Chicago. Over under 27.5. Last year, they went 27.55. They added Wendell Carter Jr., Jabari Parker, Chandler Hutchinson. Hutchison, uh, lost Jerry and Grant, David Nwaba, Noah Vonley, and Paul Zipser. What do you think about the Chicago Bulls? <laughs> they're they're kind of gross, huh? Like, I don't know. <laughs> That should be their uh, motto for the year. We're kind of gross, huh? <laughs> like the, I kind of like almost everything but the Jabari Parker, Zach Levine stuff, just because. Right. I, I mean, I like the swing that they took with Jabari. I just am. I, I don't know who he is as an NBA player, and maybe he can establish that in Chicago. Both those guys are going to score a ton. They're going to take a ton of possessions. I mean, there's just no question that those guys will take a majority of the possessions for the Chicago team. And you kind of want to see what Laurie Marketing can do. And you kind of want to see what Wendell Carter can do. And, I mean, maybe they can still do that with those two guys, but I just feel like those two are going to be just taking turns uh, shooting the basketball when they're on the offensive end. And <clears throat> the other guys will be marking a I think that he can be more than that. So that's a little bit disappointing, but I think they're still going to be really bad. I don't think they're going to win very many games. Uh, the 27 is low though. I, I still, to me, I'm, I'm going to take the under still. I just don't, I just don't think this team is going to win very many games. Yeah, I'm going under as well because I just think this team is too young. I know they want to win, but they're once again asking Fred Hoiberg to figure out what might be an impossible roster. 
Right. He he has had really bad luck as a coach. First, he gets the post Thibodeau sad bulls. Yeah. Then they give him the veteran big three that didn't shoot threes in Wade, Rondo, and Butler. Then they completely switch gears and gave him one of the youngest teams in the league. And now they finally have some continuity just as a young team with a few new young pieces. And it feels like he needs to win this year or he's out. So I don't I don't think that's going to go well for anyone. Uh, Bulls, right. Now, Bulls, Bulls fans would argue that they had Levine's injury last year. He, he missed 60 games. They sat reliable veterans like Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday at the end of the season to tank. But I'm just not convinced that adding in major minutes for Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, and a rookie in Wendell Carter necessarily equals more wins, even if they have more talent on the roster than they did last year. I'm going under because I think it starts to get rocky quick. Hoiberg mm-hmm. gets fired, and I think they eventually decide to tank again. So I was looking at their early schedule. Of their first 17 games, nine are against Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, Pacers, Rockets, Warriors, Pelicans, Sixers, and Nuggets. And they'll likely only be favored in one or two of those first 17 games. So they're a super young team trying to figure out how to fit multiple big-minute young guys with each other. I think it could go bad quickly, and so I'm going under. Yeah. As Thunder fans, we know that more talent does not always equal more wins. That is true. We know that now. We didn't know it last year. Uh, believe it now do they have a okay do they have a player that you're smart to talk about is it laurie markinen mm, i feel like he's too well known yeah do they mate i i do feel like um i'm like way too high on chris dunn's defensive potential oh yeah that's a good one that's a i feel really like good i one. think i feel like i think he's like the best defensive point guard in, in the nba <laughs> and i don't really know that much about him that's specifically it not just chris dunn but his defensive ability if you say he's a top five defensive you know guy guarding the point of attack then that yeah. makes you really smart especially if you say Sounds point really of really a, if you say point of attack in it then you're really smart yeah you just said that and i was like wow andrew's really smart <laughs> uh okay we have two left okay. two fun ones um, by the way i'm just letting you know a very exciting one's coming off it's my lock of the season okay <laughs> just previewing that okay number 14 orlando magic over under 31 and a half Last year, they went 25 and 57. They added Mo Bamba, Jerry and Grant, Timothy Mozgov, Jarrell Martin. They lost Aaron Aflalo, Bismack Biombo, Mario Hazonia, Shelvin Mack, and Maurice Spates. They do have a new coach in Steve Clifford. If you bet the over, that means Orlando needs to win seven more games than last year. They need to win 32 games. Since trading Dwight Howard, Andrew, the Orlando Magic win totals have been 20, 23, 25, 35, 29, and 25. So (laughs) they're almost betting entirely on internal development. Their biggest free agent signing this summer was Jerry and Grant, who is a career backup, who will be battling DJ Augustine, a career backup for the Magic's starting point guard spot. Yeah. They've had a bottom Ted defense every year since Dwight was traded. So the idea of having point guard as your weakest position for a group of guys and a coach that aren't exactly known for their offense seems like a bad idea. But they do have defensive talent, and Steve Clifford at least has a reputation as a defensive coach, although so did Frank Vogel. Uh, So I'm going under, but let me at least give you the case for the over. The case for the over has to do with injuries. So four of their five starters on opening night last year missed a combined 132 games. That was Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, 
Nikola Vucevic, and Terrence Ross. Each player missed at least 24 games apiece. So assuming even average health, Orlando should have more good players on the floor throughout the year. And Steve Clifford is probably, we're thinking, going to make them better defensively, especially bringing in Mo Bamba. I don't know. That's, that's, that's the argument for the over. What do you think? Also, Jonathan Isaac playing this season could right. be a part of that. I, he's, I, a, he's a very smart player. He is. I think he could be our guy. That if you talk smart, you say smart things about him, that you're just like, wow. Uh, yeah, this one's tough. This is kind of a stay away for me because they were they were like pretty good coming out the gate last year. Remember, like it was like, oh, the Orlando Magic can make the playoffs, and that was a conversation that went in like 20 games in. Uh, and then injuries happen. I think Aaron Gordon, if if he can take another step, I think Evan Fournier is a yep. good NBA player. I think that he's a top six or seven player on most teams. Um. I like Jonathan Simmons. I like Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I I don't know what Obama can do as a rookie. Uh, it, it kind of terrifies me. Ugh. I think that you have to take the under, but to me, it's like a slight under. I think that they're going to win, okay. you know, twenty eight to thirty games. Uh, that feels about right to me. But uh, the over wouldn't su- wouldn't shock me if they won like thirty two or thirty three games. That's that wouldn't be surprising. But that's also is that's a bad outcome if you're the Magic, right? Like you don't you don't want right. to win that many games. So to me, this should be another tank year, and let's see if we can get another guy that has you know eight foot long arms. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have some wild lineups. They really are. Like, what do you do with and, Isaac, Bamba, and Gordon? I mean, that's like those are probably the three best players, or at least the three best prospects. Right. Anytime those guys are on the floor, it'll it's, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you ready for the finale? Yes. The finale. The uh, twenty eighteen twenty nineteen Al Baby Cakes Lock of the Century. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks. The over under is twenty three and a half. Last year, they were 24 and 58. Key additions, Justin Anderson, Vince Carter, Kevin Herter, Alex Lynn, Jeremy Lynn, Trey Young, Amari Spellman. Shout out to Daniel Hamilton. Key losses, Dennis Schroeder and Mike Muscala. They have a new coach, uh, Lloyd Pierce. Not familiar with him. Um, Andrew, I'm going under. I'm not just locking it in, Andrew. I am considering putting actual real money on this. (laughs) That does seem high, right? 23 games. Like if they won. It is high. If they won 25 games, I think they should have a parade. Listen listen to this. This is is the research I did for the pod. So I went back the last 25 seasons, excluding the two lockout seasons. So I went back to 1991, 1992. I looked each year. What is the number of teams in the league that won less than 24 games? Okay, so how many teams won 23 games or less? On average, do you want to guess the average number of teams per season? What do you think it is? Two? 3.2. Okay. Now, the lowest number was one. That happened twice. The highest was six, which happened twice. <laughs> Those must have been terrible seasons. The point is that the worst team in the league has always seemingly at least for the last 25 seasons has always won 23 games or less and so atlanta comes in with this 23 and a half over under i think they're clearly the not only the worst team in not just 
the Eastern Conference, but probably the league. But they also seem to be like the most open to tanking this year. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of taking their over, I just like, I don't get it. Like, it, it's possible. Like, maybe this is the year that there's only one team that loses that many games. And maybe it's Sacramento. And maybe Atlanta ends up with like 24 wins. But I think it's much more likely that Atlanta wins like in the high teens. I think this team's going to be really bad just because they have so many young players. Yeah, they have lots. N- they, yeah, they have no talent. Like it, You're right, it, it's all young and it's all like theoretical talent. I mean, Kent Bazemore is he their best player? I mean, <laughs> like I mean, that could be the case. Like he or Jeremy Lin could be their best, right, yeah. like their most talented player. Torian Torian Prince, what? maybe I don't know, but. The, this roster is just way too young, um, and they've they've got some potential. That, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Trey Young guy. I think he's going to be really good in the NBA. I like Torian Prince. I like John Collins as like your third big. Uh, Kevin Herter. People, some some people really like him. I don't know what to think about him yet as an NBA guy, but uh, overall, this team is truly terrible and is probably the worst team in the NBA. So it sounds like you are going under as well. Under. Would you like to join me in a lock? Let's lock it in, baby. This team is not yeah. going to be any good. There's just no way they win 20 games. There's just no way. And now, they have, do they and have, have Alex Len. Yeah, they're losing. They're losing all their games. There's just no way. Do they have a smart NBA player? I feel like you can make a case for a couple, a couple guys like Torian Prince. I think Torian Prince is a guy that if you think that he's like a top half of the league wing then you're you're a pretty smart guy. Uh, if you're really in on Kevin Herter, I think that you're you're a pretty smart guy. Uh, beyond that, maybe Dwayne Dedmond is always a guy that if you're smart, oh, you, yeah. really, you really overvalue Dwayne Dedmond if you're a if you're a smart NBA fan. I definitely do that. Yeah, <laughs> I think Dwayne Dedmond's so good, and I have no idea why. Right. <laughs> yeah, they've got a few candidates. Uh, Okay. I feel like we've really helped help people this this podcast. We've really helped them become smarter NBA fans. Right. If you'll go through each of those who teams, to talk about. yeah, just mention those names, just drop them into conversations, and you'll you'll be the smartest NBA fan in your circle of friends easily. Uh, Alex, anything else before we go? Uh, no, I was just going to say the unless you get into a conversation with someone about the Charlotte Hornets, who we did not talk about. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at their <laughs> let's let's see is there anyone is there anyone are there any smart NBA players? Let me pull it. Up. I don't I don't think there is. Oh well, I am actually abnormally high on Willie Hernan Gomez. Oh yeah, yeah, Hernan Gomez is definitely one of those guys who are like, yeah, he could. That's a solid backup center. If you had him, like you could, you could really do something. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm with you on that one. Okay, good. So we got every team covered now. Yes, every you're covered in the Eastern Conference. Maybe we just need to go back. Maybe that's what we do next week is to go through the West and talk about. <laughs> oh man, uh, thanks for listening to our show. We appreciate you guys downloading and listening. Uh, if you could, I will from at down to dunk. I'll tweet out the podcast. If you could retweet that and share that with your friends, uh, if you have two followers or if you have 22,000 followers, either is great for us. I think that it makes a big difference whenever people share it. Uh, we'll get more people listening to it. 
Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, please follow Alex on Twitter at Al Babycakes. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Uh, we're getting so close to 600 five-star iTunes reviews and uh, round numbers make me very excited. So if you could help us get there, uh, click on that purple podcast app on your iPhone. Super simple. Just search down to dunk and click five stars. It's the easiest way to do it. Uh, if you have uh, an iPhone, if not, you can get to it from uh, your computer. So that would be just super helpful for us if you guys could do that. Hope you have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Thank you.